fucked. Um, we'll just pretend this never happened, okay? Because this is what every, this is what everybody pays to hear. All right, stand by. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Now, because it's my birthday, okay, it's a little bit different show today, okay? So the first the first song that has to get played on my birthday is my favorite version, right, of Happy Birthday, sung, right, by... Um, the one and only Marilyn Monroe. And I think this is it. That's not it. All right. Maybe this. Maybe not. Yes. Happy birthday. 63 years old. And that's an important birthday for me. Halfway to 126. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. There she is. Little wonderful up there in her. Skin, tr- skin tight dress that they sewed on her. For all the things you've done, the battles that you've won, the way you deal with U.S. Steel and our problems by the ton, we thank you so much. Everybody, happy birthday! Yeah, her voice on Everybody Happy Birthday was not so great. Marilyn Monroe there, serenading John F. Kennedy in Madison Square Garden. That's not a bad birthday. How do you think? Uh, how do you think that played when he got back to the White House? I'm thinking not so well. Um, <laughs> exactly. The um. You want to hear a great cello uh, instrumental during the middle of a song? Now, does everybody remember remember Paula Abdullah? Yeah. I'm going to get to uh, the 23rd Psalm here in a second, but I'm distracted by uh, my music today in the shower. Okay. So, um, Paula Abdullah. Um, Paula Abdul. She, um, you'll remember her videos. This is, this is the first video I think that ever, right, um, that ever, it was called Straight Up. She's a choreographer for the, like, one of the first versions of, uh, of, uh, the Laker girls of all things, right? Yeah. So, this was a song that made her famous. 
Oh, this is her dancing. This is the, actually the video from YouTube. Whoa, check that out. So she's a dancer, right? And then somehow there she becomes a singer. Remember the song for those of you that are old enough to remember old MTV? Okay, so that's Paul Abdullah. Okay, so some of you might remember. If you don't, not a big deal. Okay, so this is on one of my playlists. Okay, it's a song called Rush. And I think it's a cello. I could be wrong. You could correct me. Okay, but here's the song. Okay, that version of it is not what I want, right? That's what I wanted. You heard the bass right there? Right, somebody just sent me a text. Are you okay? (laughs) Of course I am. It's my birthday, man. Another text message. What does all this have to do with King David? Oh, you're going to find out. Trust me. The, um, one of my sisters thought she was saying mush, mush back in the day. Anyway, um, here's another one. Hey, Mac, happy birthday. Thank you. Spoke to my son in Norway at about 3.30 in the morning. That was all right. Um, the, um, oh, the, the text message. How's the lockdown impacting your life? Uh, it's not. Yeah, I, the lockdown, I, like, I guess people are locked down. Like, if you go out to dinner every night, the lockdown impacts you. Right? If you don't go out to dinner every night, then <laughs> then it doesn't impact you a whole lot. You know? Hold on. I think it's coming up. After she says mush, mush here a couple times. She's singing rush, rush, by the way. Yeah, you're going to hear a cello instrumental that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, this is my artistic side. I don't show it often. Mush, mush.
Here it comes. Get ready for one of the greatest cello instrumentals you'll ever hear in your life. In a Paul Abdullah song. What? Abdullah song. Here it is. Kidding me? Tell me that wasn't worth the wait. Yeah, Paul Abdullah, the cello man. I think that's a cello. And when you listen to it, try to like refrain from busting out your air cello. And like, if you're in the car, right, do a little thigh driving, right, and going down the freeway playing your cello that you're really holding like a violin. So the thing's totally fucked up. But try not to do that. Okay, try not to do that. So, um, I don't know how this happens to me. I tend to have these epiphanies. Uh, so, I'm doing something, and the 23rd Psalm, right, gets in front of me. Okay? So, um, yeah, the 23rd Psalm gets in front of me somehow. Now, for those of you who uh, are unfamiliar, right, you heathens, right, the Psalms are really uh, a book of poetry that's in the Bible. It's much more complicated than that. Yeah, it is. And if you want to look it up, you can read about it, okay? But I would tell you it's, uh, it's the artistic arm of the, uh, of the Bible, the Psalms. And David, who was a shepherd, started out as a shepherd, right? Um, who becomes the king of Israel after he smokes Goliath's ass? Yeah, um, David is one of the chief contributors to the Psalms. Now, t- Psalm twenty-three, uh, David wrote, right? and it says this, and this is the part that you hear: "Yea." Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Everybody's familiar with that, right? You hear that all the time. But you know the end. There's, then there's a semicolon. But they don't put in the last part of the fourth sentence of the 23rd Psalm. Psalm the, th- tw- the 23rd Psalm. Because the, after the semicolon, it says... Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what does that mean? That means that David didn't walk through the valley of the shadow of death unarmed. David didn't hope that he would come out of the son of a bitch. David had with him the rod, and the staff, right, in his hands. He had those weapons in his hands that would get him through the valley of the shadow of death. So, I see it 
And then, and I saw the whole, the whole fourth verse, which is yea, starts with yea and ends with thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I thought, you know, you just don't see that very often. And then it kind of triggers this post-traumatic winning moment. So what post-traumatic winning is, is the armory that sits at the entrance to the valley of the shadow of death. Right? And so it's an ar- it's, an, it's, it's the armory for that. And so before you go into the valley, you go up to the window and you get handed a rod and a staff, right? That will see you through the valley of the shadow of death. You also get handed a compass that will show you the way out of the valley of the shadow of death. So now I start having, I start having (laughs) these, this happens to me like early Saturday morning. And I'm talking like at 4.45 Saturday morning. And, um, And I think, who's awake that would understand this that I could talk to? And I think, Jeff Kenny doesn't sleep either. So I call him at about 5.30. He goes, hey. I'm like, hey, I want to talk to you. <laughs> he says, no shit. And I said, look, I know you don't sleep. He goes, starts laughing. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, you're right about that. I said, I know. So anyway, I said, you start. Are you familiar with the 23rd Psalm? Knowing, right? Knowing that he would be, okay? And he said, yes. David recited it before he went to fight Goliath. I said, yes. He wrote it too. He said, yes. I said, but you know, the thing about the Psalm that you you, you don't hear is you, you don't hear the last part of it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you always hear, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, no evil, for thou art with me. He said, yeah. I said, but you don't hear the last part. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You don't go into the valley unarmed. And Jeff said, you're right. And I said, and so to me, that's what post-traumatic winning is. And he says, holy shit, Mac, that's good. I said, I know. I said, because, you know, again, I... I with um, the the effect of phrases like "no better friend, no worse enemy," right, um, and first do no harm" and things like that, that that you know, the first Marine Division used to chunk information. One of the things I try to do with post-traumatic winning is find both visual images and phrases that chunk information that people won't forget. So when they do go down this path, they will remember. And the Valley of the Shadow of Death is, that's like, most people have heard of that, right? Most people have heard of that. And whether people are practicing Christians or not, most of, you know, a lot of adults have heard this psalm, right? And so so I thought, well, I can leverage that. And then, so, I thought, I need to turn that into a slide. So I begin to do that. And so, I, if you want, so I did a search on the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And then I clicked on images, right? And so if you do that, 
check out the images that you will find. Okay, and there you can you you might imagine there uh, there are some ominous images. Okay, and um, and so I I found one that I said that's it. When I saw it, I said that's it, that's it. And uh, I grabbed it, and so then I'd gotten a text from a friend of mine. No, a stranger who is looking for a friend of mine. I don't know this person. Hey, and this person is a retired general officer, right? A retired three-star general officer. So he's you know he's a big shot. So, I call him Saturday morning after I talk to Jeff Kenny, and I say, hours after, maybe five hours later, I said, hey, man, what's up? And he starts laughing. He goes, Mac, what's going on? I said, uh, no, I just called to check in, and I said, and I've got somebody that's, uh, there's a reason for the phone call. But then we start, we start talking. Now, it occurs to me, in the first part of the conversation, he's a Catholic, right? Devout Catholic, I would tell you. And so we start talking about the 23rd Psalm. And I start talking to him. And we start talking. And so I, after, I get, after we get off the phone with this conversation, and after I connect this other person with him, I send him a text message. And it says this. Now, mind you, He's had substantial, you know, uh, medical stuff. Uh, I mean, back surgery, titanium in his back now, and, you know, to help him. Uh, He's also been diagnosed with some other, you know, life-changing, you know, medical conditions. Okay? And I will leave it at that. Out of respect. Okay? So I wrote him this. I don't know why things happen or if I believe things happen for a reason, but I do know that it is up to us as good men and women to make the best of whatever comes our way. And it is and it is in those efforts that we distinguish ourselves as human beings. In the last third of your life, you've been placed in a position to influence others that are walking in the valley of the shadow of death. You get post-traumatic winning. The part of the 23rd Psalm that is often excluded is the last part of the fourth verse. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David doesn't go into the valley of the shadow of death hoping to get through. He goes in armed, prepared to live, and to do what he must do to emerge from that valley a winner. And then I sent him, and so there's that ominous picture, right? I sent him, so I sent him that. I sent him the ominous picture and with the, 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 you know, the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm, right? Superimposed on top of it. So it's this ominous picture of kind of a, of uh, one of those foot bridges that go across a canyon with the planks, right? So it's one of those, and it, it leads you into this ominous valley that has black 
clouds over it and the moon is out and vultures are flying, right? And it's just broken terrain. So it's it's a very cool picture and with the psalm over the top of it. And then I sent him a second one, right? And I got a picture of an armory, a Marine Corps armory window, right? Which is, for those of you who don't know, when we draw weapons, right, all of our weapons are in the armory, okay? It is a fortified building. And uh, and there's a window. And we have these people called armorers that are in there. They control all of our weapons. They issue them to the right people. They get them back. If they're broken, they fix them, right? And so the armorer at that window, it becomes an important person in your life. Right? So um, anyway, so I take a picture of that. And I put it in a box on this on this picture of the valley of the shadow of death. And then I, and I, you know, those things that are, they're called call out windows where, you know, it has like a, a rectangle and then it has like a line that goes and you can say, this is going on specifically there, right? Ever see those? Okay. So I do that. So I take the picture of the armory and I put the post-traumatic winning emblem, like in the upper right hand corner. So it's post-traumatic winning armory. And I put that line on the far side of that footbridge. And I write him this. Post-traumatic winning is the armory that sits at the entrance to the valley of the shadow of death. You are one of the custodians in that armory. You have an opportunity to continue your life of service to others as that custodian, as their shepherd, as David was, and to guide them through the valley of the shadow of death. And I ended that text with, don't fuck it up. <laughs> ah, I love that shit. Um, and so he writes me back this text, right? I needed to have this conversation with somebody. And who the hell knew it would be you? Thank you for the call. Thank you for the inspiration. Can you send me those things in the larger format that I'm sure you have them in? And I said, absolutely, I can. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my uh, that was the start of my Saturday. Yesterday, I had an experience of uh, somebody I've met and become friends with, who was introduced to me by a chaplain, um, who had um, their fiancé commit suicide. And um, they came by. And uh, actually, we met, uh, went for a walk around the Orange County Fairgrounds. It was a beautiful day here yesterday. And then came back here and and had something to drink, and they had to go someplace else. Um, But... Life is fucking hard, man. Um, life's hard. You know, I mean, if you can even imagine the week you're supposed to get married that somebody commits suicide. And then all the questions that would be in your head. And um, it's never lost on me you know, how difficult life is. And, you know, I, I you, if you listen to the show, you've heard me say this stuff before, but, 
you know, I have this saying that, you know, life's not for pussies. And I've said that to my kids for years, that you're going to fight for every bit of happiness that you that you get on this planet, and you're going to fight to keep it. And if you won't fight for it, then you're going to get what you get, which is more than likely not going to be easy or kind or happy for the most part. But, I, I mean, it's just, it's never lost on me how difficult life can be. But uh, one thing that it, that continues to be affirmed for me in, uh, in all these people I meet, that there is only one, there's one compass that works in the valley of the shadow of death. That one compass leads you to one trail. And that's the only trail out of the valley of the shadow of death. And that is the path of of giving. That is the path of, of taking what you've learned as you've struggled in life and helping other people with it. That's the only path. There is no other path. The other path is endurance, and that keeps you in the valley of the shadow of death. Man, man, that place fucking sucks, man. That place fucking sucks. And so, you know, endurance. You know, you don't have the you don't you're on the wrong trail. You don't have the compass. You don't have the right weapons to defend yourself. I mean, I mean, and it, when you visualize that life in the valley of the shadow of death, without those weapons, without that compass, right? It's like it's like Jumanji. It's like a, a really fucked up version of Jumanji, right? Like everything's going wrong and nothing's going right, man. You know, and right is just not as wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right isn't a, a winning the fight. Right is enduring the fight, getting through it. And, you know, and, and the thing that I'm continually taught by people and the things that are, are affirmed for me by people are people that go through really, really, really brutal shit. And you see their courage and you see them trying to find their way through it. And um, and then you see them begin to understand what, you know, the fourth path is. The path of post-traumatic winning. Uh, the path of selflessly giving your experience to other people. And so, you know, my weekend was highlighted with, you know, the 23rd Psalm. You know, I watched somebody and spent time with somebody who's who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And when you when you have those conversations, it's just like I said, just reinforced how difficult life can be. It can happen in a second. And um, what just happened? And so it's uh, I find it inspiring. Um, all these different people I meet ins- inspire the shit out of me, and um, and then I have little epiphanies and. And I find, you know, visual aids that are powerful. You know, the valley of the shadow of death, right? We're all going to spend part of our life in that valley. Question, can you get out of it? How much time will you spend there? Will you spend an an extended period of time in there? Or 
would you grow and, and have the tools that it takes to get out of that thing? Because how much time you spend in there on the wrong paths may define the quality of your life. So the less time you can spend in there, the quicker you can get out of there, certainly defines your quality of life in the long stretch. And the Valley of the Shadow of Death kind of runs parallel to whatever track our life takes. It's there. And life can, you know, life can swerve you into the son of a bitch pretty quick. And so, anyway, um, yeah, the 23rd Psalm, right, boomed through my existence over the weekend. And uh, now it's uh, uh, very cool. The fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm. Well, you know, the entire 23rd Psalm I will read to you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This has been kind of updated. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that is the whole, right? That is the whole of Psalm 23. But uh, the part of that that I see quoted most often is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And the part I don't hear so much is, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so to me, that was pregnant with meaning. That, uh, that you know, that, but here's the other part. If nobody gives you the tools that I think are resonant in post-traumatic winning, and all that's left for you is hope, I mean, that's an, an endurance, hope, medication in order to endure this stuff and hoping my life gets better. That's not a path. That's a path people go down. That's a path of endurance. It sucks. And it paves the way to the destructive behavior numbers that, you know, that we see that continually rise. So anyway, a little bit of uh, post-traumatic winning here on a Monday. Um, let me tell you what we're going to do today on my birthday. Yeah. Um, there is a, I want to say Aspen Institute thing that I'm sure you saw in the news last week. And, um, it was it was much in the news because there was a discussion about China and um
let's see. That's the Voice of America Business Insider. I'm trying to find the where the video is. Um, it might have been Business Insider. The headline is, China is already targeting Joe Biden and his team, a top U.S. intelligence official warned, calling it an attack on steroids. Okay, so the Aspen Institute, I want to say a week ago, um, had two guys on. One is a guy named Bill Evanina. He's the director of National Counterintelligence and Security. Said his agency had expected the Chinese to, quote, revector their influence campaigns to the new administration. Now, I think this is the video. So what I want to do is I want to play that today. Um, and, um, and then tomorrow what we'll do is I'm going to see if I can get Grant on and, um, and, and we'll discuss this, but you have to hear it. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning in the detail that, that these two guys talk to. Uh, there's another guy named John Demers that is on. He is the top national security official at the Department of Justice. And you should hear the stuff they say. And, well, you will hear it. So today is a precursor to tomorrow, okay, when I'm going to try to get Grant on. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, the, uh, the three wise men will also uh, be on on uh, Thursday. And this will probably be part of one of the things we talk about on, on that. So that's what we're doing today. But it's, let me tell you, it's a fascinating listen to Chinese influence operations in the United States, what the United States has done, the subject of why and how Europe turned its back on Huawei, which I think surprised everybody. I mean, you talk about a major, um, a major victory uh, here uh, in the last... I don't know how long. Um, um, I mean, that was huge, you know, that that the UK, right, and the EU, you know, would turn their back on Huawei. I mean, that's um, that's incredible. So you're gonna hear you're gonna hear these guys discuss in long format, which is something that I love. Um, the nuances of Chinese influence operations, what the Department of Justice uh, has uh, has done here in the past uh, in the past year uh, in order to uh, in order to make better things happen. Um, one of the statements: a thousand Chinese agents have left the United States as the FBI, the Department of Justice, turned to on getting after them. Yeah, how about that? So, we'll do that today, on my birthday. Here's one. What's what's the plan for the birthday? Uh, I got to go find replacement bulbs for my Christmas lights. The big ones, the C9s. 
I got to go to a True Value hardware store and buy a bunch of mostly red and white because the green are still in the lights and they work. Um, the red and white I use in my backyard all year round. Yeah, how about that? So I got to go find those. I'll probably take the dogs for about a three mile walk, and then um, what else? What else am I doing today? Um, I think I'm going to go buy cherries and make another cherry pie. Yep. I think I'm going to do that. My daughters are coming over to fix dinner. I have no idea what, what, uh, that will entail. Um, they said, what do you want? What do you want to eat? I said, surprise me. And they said, <laughs> the response was no problem. No problem. We'll do that. All right. And, uh, and then uh, my former wife, Susan, will come by if she can. I think she's going to be able to. So uh, we will have uh, my birthday dinner. And uh, that will be at 63. Okay, why is it a significant number in my year? Well, when we had Colleen, I was 45. And I, um, I remember, I mean, our youngest was 10. And now, you know, we had a baby. And so, um, I remember thinking, when this child, (laughs) whatever, whatever he or she is, when, when they graduate from high school, I'll be 63. What in God's name will that be like? Little could I envision that my life would be what it is today when I was 45. Yeah. When I was 45, I was 45 in 2003. I would turn 46 at the end of 2003. And so Colleen was born in August of 2003. And then I deployed to Iraq in, I leave in January. And so I missed like most of Colleen's first from time she was one, time she was six months till time she was uh, about a year and a half, right? I I wasn't around. And then um, I came home and then I left again for not quite a year but about 10 months um a second time and then came home and so um yeah so that's so my life my life in the last uh 18 years so but i remember thinking that like 63 years old and i joked with my kids i'll be going to colleen's graduation in a wheelchair with one of those horns in my ear like, what, what, what? And then my kids would be like, oh, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. And uh, I'm, although I could probably use one of those horns in my ear, I, I don't I don't use one. Um, yeah, but that's why 63 uh, was a significant number on my calendar. But I could have never envisioned um, that my life would, be what it is today. I, I tell people, I mean, um, you know, Lou Gehrig said, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. 
And I feel like that. I mean, I, uh, I have four, uh, my ex-wife and I have raised four, you know, great, great, great kids. And, uh, and to see your, you know, your kids, you know, go off in the world and do great things, I think is, is, um, I think it's the most satisfaction. And then right behind that, because again, you know, you look at them and, you know, you remember them as, as, you know, the day, the first time you ever held them. And then you see them, you know, like my son's up in Norway another one's in DC, you know, they've, uh, they one's married, one's engaged and, you know, they, they have great families and you're seeing them, you know, t- down the path to live great lives. You know, your daughters are, are great, you know, women and, and they're, doing all the things that will take them to great places in their lives or a little bit younger. And, you, you know, I'm, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then all the things that have happened to me, um, yeah, I would have never, in, when I was 45, I would never envision that my life would be what, you know, could be what it is now, right? The transformational experiences that I have on, on almost a daily basis. Pretty amazing. So, um so Whitney Houston's going to sing the national anthem today. Why? Because it's my fucking birthday, man. That's why. dedicate this to on your birthday um it's dedicated to king david uh who was a normal guy he was a shepherd uh learned leadership and what it was to take care of things uh by taking care of his flock and then fought david and then became the king of israel and a poetry writer 
So just dedicated to him and uh, the power of the 23rd Psalm. Um, so dedicated to David. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly once you're out of the core you know it's your responsibility to live your life in a way that would honor those that were with you and died i mean don't waste your life goodness do something meaningful and and don't be going out there saying look oh woe is me i'm a poor veteran or I'm a disabled veteran. Well yeah, I am a disabled veteran. But you know, we we, we can't have that kind of attitude. We we've got to show people that hey, we care about our country, we care we care about what happens to everybody everyone. Marine Corps changed me. It made me a better man, but I don't know a Marine that wouldn't tell you the same thing, Mike. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds, and win. You got to win. All right. Here's the birthday weather report. Currently, cloudy in 38 in the off-ramp of the Marine Corps, Quantico, Virginia. Now the crossroads of the Marine Corps. People on-ramping, on-ramping, people off-ramping, people side-ramping, people dwelling. Um, down the coast, cloudy in 52 at Camp Lejeune, 29 Palms, sunny in 50. Camp Pendleton, partly sunny, 55. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy, 72. Okinawa, Shima. Dark cloudy in 70. Down under, 
in Darwin. It is dark, cloudy, and 81. In Oslo, it is dark, cloudy, and 40. I was asking where my son was. I said, hey, where the hell are you in Norway? I said, so from Oslo, where are you? He said, well, if you go 90 way, 90% up the country of Norway, I said, yeah, I could do that. He said, if you go 90% of the way up Norway, that's where I am. So I got the map out. I found Oslo. And then I went 90%. I'm like, holy shit, man. <laughs> He's like, dude, we're in the Arctic Circle. I said, how's that working out? He said, it's not that bad. He said, it's not, he said, it's not colder than North Dakota was. <laughs> I said, nice. So, yeah. Um, at the headquarters, at the corporate headquarters of All Marine Radio, on my birthday here, it is partly sunny and 53 Looking for a high today of all the way up to 70 degrees with 65% chance. Of, no, that can't be right. That's an Okinawa. That's an Okinawa. Oops. I was going to say rain. I didn't know that. So the forecast for today is 70 degrees with some clouds. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 80. What? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, on Wednesday... Mostly sunny and 70. Thursday, mostly sunny, 66. And on Friday, mostly sunny and 65. So there you go. That is a look at your weather. Um, We could take a break, but... Well, yeah, you know what? We will take a break. We'll take about a 60-second break. We'll come back. We'll check some news headlines here on my birthday. Uh, So don't touch that dial. More of this fine program coming up next right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. We used to get together every week. She's been home from her last deployment for months now, and I haven't seen her once. He's just been different since he got back from Iraq. One minute he's ready to go, and the next he doesn't want anyone around. The nightmares are back and seem to be getting worse. Shouldn't he be sleeping better after all these years? A lot of people don't understand what veterans go through during their service or when they come back. And that's okay. But everyone can help. You can make a difference in the life of a veteran. You stood by us when we were in uniform. So stand by us now. Like my brother did when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did when she made the call. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. America's service members and veterans are strong, forged out of bravery, sacrifice, and duty. They are diverse, unique, from all corners of the country, and thanks to their common experience, a family for life. But whether they served in lands far away or communities close to home, some of these men and women may face difficult times or even crisis. 
But sometimes, reaching out for help can be the most challenging and worthwhile mission of all for veterans, service members, reserve, and National Guard. Thankfully, friends, family, and communities are standing by their service members and veterans now more than ever. We're all in this together. When you recognize something isn't right, make the call to the Veterans Crisis Line or Military Crisis Line. During times of crisis, reach out and call. Dial 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or chat online at VeteransCrisisLine.net or text 838-255. Hi. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. If you haven't seen it, there's a pretty cool video of a cop teaching a kid to ride a bike. Right? Um, teaching your kids how to ride bikes. Hilarious, right? So they've had they've had training wheels on their bike, right? For like, I don't know, months. So finally one day you just say, and it's so much easier with the boys than it is the girls. Oh, my God. The boys are like, dude, time to become a man. You ready? And the person that's like most emotional about it, right, is your wife. Hey, I remember looking at John. I'm like, you ready to do this? You ready to learn how to ride a bike without training wheels? He's like, yeah. Okay, so we take the training wheels off. And now he's, you know, and you're kind of. You know, you're kind of walking, then trotting next to him with your hand on the seat, and then you catch him. And then after you do that for a while, it's like, time to be a man. You ready for this? Yeah. So we're in Quantico on the street out in front of our house. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to let go, and I'm not staying with you. So I let go, and he's riding down the street, and you can see he gets excited. Then all of a sudden you see the front wheel start to start. You steal the you see the front wheel start to wobble and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. and then <laughs> he goes down the heap, right? Get ready to cry. I'm like, come on, don't cry. Get on the bike. Let's do. Let's go. Like you think you think that ends this shit? Come on, let's go. Get on the bike, man. Get on the bike. So he's crying. <laughs> he's crying. He's crying. Susan's standing there. She's like, oh. I'm like. But now Susan was good and all that stuff. Because she's, she's a tough girl. She's like, come on, John. You could do it. I'm like, come on, man. Stop crying. This, this crying's for little kids. You're about to become a man here. You're going to learn how to ride a bike like the rest of the big kids. So he gets on his bike. And then he starts riding around. Then he kind of tips over one time. But he's smart enough to slow down and put his foot down. Right? That's a big concept. <laughs> Put your foot down. And then, uh, that's right. And then the other ones. I mean, equally hilarious, right? But the girls, oh my God. Fall off your bike. Oh, you think that God, you think I won't say that. You think the damn world ended. Get up already. Knock it off. <laughs> like, just stop already. And their brothers are standing there laughing. Come on, Catherine, you could do it. Oh, my God. Uh, no, but the video is very cool. Cop showing a little kid how to run a bike. Um, the, uh, 
top stories. Should we go to Stars and Stripes? I guess we can. Um, what does Stars and Stripes have to say this business, this Christmas season? And uh, airmen to receive the second highest military medal for heroism in Afghanistan. So that that is the Air Force Cross. I mean, if you remember within the last year, the first member of the United States Air Force became a recipient of the Medal of Honor. And that was not without a little bit of controversy because the SEAL community tried to kill it. Yeah. Because the narrative was this guy was a JTAC, so he was an air controller assigned to the SEALs, and they left him. And the SEALs argument was we didn't leave him he was dead but they showed drone footage of a firefight going on on that hill so anyway um that was in the last year a special tactics airman will receive one of the nation's highest military honors for risking his life to protect more than 150 american and local troops in afghanistan the air force announced staff sergeant alexi Germanovich, a combat controller with the 26th Special Tactics Squadron of the 24th Special Operations Wing, Air Force Special Operations Command, will be presented the award, which is the Air Force Cross, at a ceremony at Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico on Thursday. So congratulations to him. Um, honestly, I mean, these uh, for the Air Force, these awards are a big deal because, you know, the other services... Uh, specific, specifically the Army and the Marine Corps count for most of that. And so um, it's a it's a huge deal when, you know, Air Force guys get a chance to fight like that and, and they're recognized for it. So congratulations to him. Um, and then there's normal coronavirus headlines that seem to be obligatory. Um, it's an interesting headline. AFRICOM is set for a budget boost says troops pulled out of Somalia will stay in East Africa. So the president announced late last week that we would pull troops out of Somalia. Um, So we will see uh, where that takes the United States and our efforts to influence. But let me tell you, you know, once nations go to war like that, I mean, I, I think we can say rather definitively you know, what is the United States doing in there? You know, and it tends not to work out uh, very well. Um, so that's Stars and Stripes. Uh, over to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, top headline in the journal is hospitals race to access who gets the virus vaccine first. So, um, and then I think the other, um, the other story, um, is the growing narrative of the small business owner in this country. You're seeing it play out in New York where a bar owner, um, where a bar owner says, I'm not closing, man. 
I'm not closing and refuses and is arrested. And, you know, again, the survival rate for this thing is what it is. And we're shutting down cities. We're shutting down businesses in a way that we would have never, ever done so in such an Orwellian way. We would have dealt dealt with pandemic, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, and what do you do? What do you do if you're a business? What do you do if you're a restaurant owner? You just, you get put out of business. You you lose your home. You lose everything that you've ever fought for in your life to, to create. And it is, you know, it is the way it is. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's awful stuff. You know, and then on top of it, in fact, somebody just sent me a text asking me about this. <laughs> um, how about the hypocrisy? Well, I mean, what did you expect? That's the consistent narrative throughout with politicians. Don't get them, you know, don't get them confused in any way, shape, or form with a leader because that's not them. They're not leaders. They're just people that are in charge via an election. Now, I will tell you this, some, you know, some are are leaders and grow into that. You know, 90% of them are not. And so expecting them to act like leaders, you know, I, I would venture to say um, all the different um, elected officials that told you not to go anywhere, that it was so important and then turn around and either held weddings or flew to Mexico or went to the swankiest. In fact, Napa man, now Wisconsin man, hyphenated, Napa, Wisconsin man. He, you know, he told me, he said, hey, that whole French bakery dinner, you don't understand. Most people don't understand. That's the most expensive restaurant in California. Yeah, that's what that is. And so people who think it that it was just a dinner, it's not. You know, dinners runs between five hundred and a thousand dollars a plate at that place. He said that's where Gavin Newsom was. So it's like, are you, are you shocked? <laughs> are you shocked that this is going on? That they would tell you to suck it up and bear it, and then they would do any their their paychecks are guaranteed. You know, if you want to pick on Newsom, in my opinion, who who fails across the board as a leader, right? His kids are going to private school. They're going to school. They're not staying at home. He wouldn't put his kids in public school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think they had a conversation? He and his uh, his uh, domestic partner, whatever she is, do you think that would have a, you know, a uh, conversation about that? Well, you know, I am the governor of the state. I mean, the kids should be in public school. Over my dead body, they'll be in public school. <laughs> well, what message are we sending? I don't care what message we're sending. It's that attitude. I don't care what message we're sending. I'm not going to put my kids in California public schools. Right? So there's one set of rules. It's the O.J. Simpson justice. There's one set of justice for everybody else. There's another set of justice for O.J. Simpson. Why? Because he has the money to access that. So, yeah. Meanwhile, 
I, I will tell you, in Orange County here in Southern California, unless you go out to dinner every night, you wouldn't know that anything's going on. You wouldn't know there's a closed lockdown. Just about every business is open. You know, restaurants will be impacted. Okay. I don't notice any de- decrease of t- traffic, you know, here locally. You know, the, the Hispanic guys at work, do you think they're going to honor that? No. They're mo- they mow lawns every day. They come do, you know, you know, you know, remodeling on homes. That's being done. Nobody's paying. Nobody that doesn't have to, and, and that's really the bars and the restaurants, you know, every store. I, I went to Home Depot yesterday. You know, stores have lines outside of them. They're not honoring any kind of a lockdown. It's not impacting anybody's life unless you're a restaurant owner or unless you eat out all the time, which I do not. So, I mean, so, you know, this is all great fanfare. But what is the bottom line impact? I hear in in Orange County, and then then we just had the Orange County Sheriff say, "I'm I'm not enforcing that shit. Right? So, and again... I think a sheriff, sheriffs have a moral obligation not to. Look, when there's people whose lives are at risk, I'm going to devote any amount of my, my force to breaking up parties with more than 10 people and forcing something. Come on, it's just stupid. And, you know, if, if they're smart, they just don't say anything. And they put, you know, as I said a week ago, that... They'll, they'll assign the priority of those calls. You know, the list goes to 15 in terms of categorized calls. They'll assign it the, the 99th priority. So if the world ends, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. You know, another, um, I think, uh, so if I go to USNI News. Yeah, so, so I've been asked, like, you know, especially by people that don't live in California. Oh, Mac, the state and governor. Like, dude, hasn't impacted my life. Not, I mean, I mean, I work out of my house. It's impacted my speaking, but I've done a shit ton of that in person in the course of the last month. So people are finding their way around that. And again, one person on in the active duty military has died. One person, a chief on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. What is that? One active duty, I think, is 1.3 million people. One person. Figure out what percentage that is. So, silly, silly, silly stuff for most of us. Now, if if you have comorbidity factors, like my friend Kim does, then you need to stay at home. But should kids be at school? I mean, think about this. You're going to have kids, like, if there's students like me who didn't give a shit about school, what's going to happen when they've sat and not paid attention for a year and a half, close to two years of school? What's going to happen to them? How do you close that gap? I guess, you know, the answer is you don't. Fuck it. Graduate them. We'll see how important that shit is to their life. Now, if your kid's a good student, then that's a different issue. But for the vast majority of students that are average and below, this is going to be a year and a half of their life that 
right? And then you're going to have kids that all that infrastructure that supported their behavior, kids that come from difficult families, what do you think is happening to them right now? Not, not around the counselors, not around coaches, not around teachers. It ain't good. I'm going to tell you that. It ain't fucking good. Right? And the teachers' unions drive that shit. So let me tell you, in my opinion, what should happen is the kids have to go back to school. And most public health officials will, will, will say that. Right? Okay, let's talk about the teachers. If you have high comorbidity factors, you can't go back and teach. You got to stay at home. Yeah. You got to stay at home. And we'll hire a replacement. Sorry. But your agenda can't drive whether kids go back to school. And it seems that way around much of the country. Um, USNI News. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley. The character of war in the midst of a fundamental change. And the change is artificial intelligence. We should we need to listen to this too. It's him in the first person at Brookings Institute. So uh, he's a pretty smart guy. So um, I will listen to that and see if it's worthy of our time. Um, from uh, Marine Corps time. Top headline: The Marine Corps' first F thirty five C squadron. Ready to deploy on aircraft carriers. Now, the B version, right, is the um, is the kind that can fly off the short decks, right? Is the vertical takeoff and landing. So, so the first these are long deck, you know, kind of like Navy versions of the F thirty five, ready to deploy. So they have it. Uh, the Marine Corps cancels. The combat fitness test for the calendar year over COVID concerns. I think this is absolutely positively pathetic. In a service that teaches, improvise and over, adapt and overcome, in a service that, that hasn't had one fatality, you can't run a physical fitness test. I think it's it's it sends, you know, the exact wrong message. We conquer everything. We will conquer this. I think it's clown stuff in my opinion. Now I'm sure the Department of the Navy is leaned on the Marine Corps. Or I don't know who's leaned on who. But to me it's get this done. If you need a waiver not to do it, then send me the request, I'll sign all waivers. Okay, but if you can take your Marines out there and run the CFT, keep them spaced right through the events, which we ought to be able to do, boys and girls, get it done. Right. This pandemic does not absolve us of our responsibility to the fucking nation. Oh, Mac. Uh, Next story. Corps to release Marine tankers from contracts. A year early. Yeah, the Army's loving this shit, man. As the Marine Corps dishes tanks in favor of a new force structure for fighting closer with the Navy, rocket security forces up, especially in the Pacific, 
What do we do if the war is not in the Pacific? <laughs> what do we do if the war, the war, like having some tanks and some tubed artillery might be a good thing? <laughs> can the Army give it to us? It is also announced that those Marine tankers can now leave the Marine Corps a year early if they choose. In a statement provided to Marine Corps Times from Manpower and Reserve Affairs, the Marine Corps provided some details, but the MAR admin has the full rundown. 1802, 1812s, an armor marine, right, tanker. 1869, right, tank, right, staff non-commissioned officer. A 2146, that is an armor for tanks, right? And an 1802, that's a tank officer. So they are all eligible for a program called Voluntary Enlisted Early Release Program or the Officer Early Release Program. You can't get out any earlier than a year from your contract. All right, so you got to serve everything but the last 12 months. So if you're looking to get out, because what are they doing? So what are they doing with tank units that don't have tanks? They sent everybody away, right? Here's another interesting article. Why the Marine Corps may keep a two-week boot camp quarantine after the COVID-19 pandemic ends. This ought to be interesting. From spaced out racks to two weeks pre-training quarantine, the Marine Corps has had to adapt. While off-base quarantine locations have put some financial strains on the Marine Corps, it also has played a role in all but eliminating other platoon-wide illnesses that happened at boot camp long before the potentially deadly virus arrived, according to Marine Corps Commandant David Berger. Quote, typically every officer candidate class, every recruit training class, gets some kind of crud in the first two weeks and it shuts them down. It shuts them down? Why would we not consider continuing that later on so that when training starts, everybody can train instead of half the squad, half the squad bay being sick? There you go. So, uh, there you go. (laughs) We'll now do that. Trump orders most American troops to leave Somalia. AFRICOM says they'll go elsewhere in the region. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right, top five stories in early bird. And then uh, they're going to hear, I will tell you something. That is absolutely fascinating stuff relative to Chinese influence operations in the United States. So um, so don't, trust me, don't touch your dial. And then we'll talk about it with Grant, hopefully tomorrow. Um, today, top five stories. Number one, Trump orders most American troops to leave Somalia. Number two, appeals court rules for Trump taking military money for the wall, right? The wall, that big wall from sea to shining sea. The wall, right? The wall, the wall, kind of like the strawberries in the cane mutiny. Uh, A federal appeals court ruled Friday that a lower court was wrong to bar the Trump administration from taking 
$3.6 billion for military construction projects for a border wall. A panel of the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said the El Paso County and the nonprofit Border Network for Human Rights did not have the standing to challenge President Donald Trump's redirecting funds for more than 100 military construction projects, including a $20 million road project at a base located in the city. The appeals court found that neither the county nor the border network proved it was directly harmed by Trump's moves. The court reversed a December 2019 ruling by U.S. District Judge David Brion. So, I, you know, to me, I, don't, I didn't think he could do that, right? Congress allocates money. And then you just can't say, yeah, instead of using it for personnel this year, we're going to take this and we're going to build another, you know, we're going to build a USS Star Trek. I didn't think you could do that, right? But the way it winds itself through court is a different thing. Um, number three, Trump signs bill allowing Iraq war hero. I think he's a staff sergeant. Alwyn Cash to receive the Medal of Honor. So that will go to happen. That will happen. Amid new Marine Corps LSD problem, DOD changes the force-wide drug test policy. Hallelujah, man. People have been bitching about this forever. And again, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Marine Corps and LSD. Marines have always done this. They know the Lance Criminal Network knows what gets screened for in those drugs. And the fact that we haven't been testing for a broader range of drugs in this year analysis for decades is stupid. The DOD should have been pioneering technology that could reduce the cost so that you could do this so we eliminate drugs from the workplace. If you do, then we will catch you. The Pentagon has authorized the testing of troops for LSD following problems found in the Marine Corps. What did I tell you last week? Oh, do you think this problem's confined to the Marine Corps? You're stupid. Start flipping over rocks and see where it takes you. The rest of the Department of Defense may soon see random LSD testing. Marine Corps spokesman Joe Butterfield told the Marine Corps Times, quote, Due to increased concerns regarding the usage of LSD by service members, the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Resiliency approved adding LSD to the Drug Demand Reduction Standard Test Panel in August 2020, commencing in December 2020, Butterfield said. So there's a whole series of tests that are on that battery that you can check. I'd like to check for this, 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 this. But again... One of the primary drivers for not allowing this was cost. Cost. And so what will come out in the, in the not-too-distant future is some of the criminal activity that's taken place that has been linked to LSD, which is, which is what got this thing on everybody's you know heads-up display. Number five, here's Congress's detailed plan to get rid of Confederate base names and monuments. And again, I am not for bleach in our history. But I don't think, I don't think American soldiers, right, ought to go to work on bases that honor people that betrayed their oath to the nation. I think that's wrong. But again, I think that's a piece of the story. The story that you have to tell is why. Why did these bases get named for these guys? 
okay, in the instill the most costly war in the nation's history that was fought over slavery, right? A lot of people have forgotten that. That I believe there's only one nation on the planet that ever fought a war to rid itself of slavery. Hmm. Doesn't quite fit the narrative, does it? Yeah, you're right. Mac, don't, hey, don't resort to the facts. You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, no United States soldier should have to go to a base named after somebody who essentially betrayed their oath to the nation and then turned and fought against it. That's my opinion. Now, what's the remedy? The remedy is you have to tell the story that, you know, the South wasn't allowed to put up monuments after the Civil War. As the nation sought to build its wound, to bind itself together again. I mean, imagine the bloodiest war in American history with a, with a population that was, what do you think the population of the United States was? I don't even know to answer this question. Population of the United States in 1865 which was the year the Civil War ended, okay? 31 million people. 31 million people. We are... ten times that size. And yet the bloodiest war in American history occurred... During this that time period. I mean, so you think everybody knew somebody killed or wounded? Total killed and wounded, which won't be a good statistic in the Civil War. Was what? Approximately 620,000 soldiers died from combat, accident, starvation, and disease. So, one almost uh, 15%. So, a million people would be one thirtieth. My, so, 620,000 divided by Three one zero 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 equals point zero two percent. That's a bit so I mean you can see. It was a considerable part of the nation, right? And everybody, we all were clustered. I mean, what, California had become a state? Because, hey, when we found gold here, hello. California, uh, Oregon, and Washington, had they all become states? I think, I know California had. But anyway, um, The United States nestled east of the Mississippi. 
It was a huge event. And so half the nation couldn't put up monuments to their war dead. And so as we, as we sought to become a nation again, they were allowed to put up monuments. And the South was a powerful voting block. The Democrats in the South, the Dixiecrats, right? They forced through when these these American bases, right, as the army expanded in World War II, um, the they would they would be named after Southern right leaders, and that's how they came about. So to me, all that history has to be preserved because you got to tell the story about a, the evolution of a nation that sought to bind itself after the, its bloodiest, and that's that's the story, in my opinion. That's why they exist. Okay? And if you don't tell that story, then in my opinion, you're you're bleaching history, and I'm against that. So, anyway. All right. Um, a lot of people are very, very interested in what's going to happen both with China and uh, Iran in the next few months. That Iran is essentially in a situation that it's never been in with the Arab world, right? Um, recognizing Israel in an unstated alliance that's, a, a, you know, that's a, that stands in opposition to Iran. Economically, very difficult times in Iran. Uh, the pandemic has been very difficult there. And so, um, will the Biden administration, will they let Iran off the hook? You know, we all wait to find out. And the same thing with China. The economic confrontation between the free world and China that has to take place so that China gets bent and understands that if you're going to participate in a big way with trade with the nations of the free world, you have to respect a rules-based order. That confrontation has to happen. Will the Biden administration, will they come off that? So much interest in that. But we'll take a break. When we come back, um, you'd hear some fascinating stuff. And so um, I know a lot of people go, oh, I'm not going to listen to that. No, don't be one of those people. I'm telling you right now. You know, I listened to this and I was absolutely fascinated the other day, uh, as I did. So um, the guys who are part of this discussion, um, uh, the first guy's name is Evanina and the other guy's name is Demers. Evanina is the senior cyber and cyber intel guy uh, in the United States. And uh, Demers is the top national security official for the Justice Department. And so you're going to see them uh, both. And it's, uh, it, is, it is great, great stuff. So don't touch that dial. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. More of All Marine Radio coming up next, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. I'm good, but I have a story, and I don't know where to start. I'm good, 